European Heart Journal, Issue at a Glance, Volume 37, Issue 2, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Thomas Lucia. Use, Complications and Outcome of Novel Therapeutic Interventions Over the last decade, valvular heart disease has mutated from being the Cinderella of cardiovascular medicine to centre stage. Indeed, innovation has been impressive, starting with the development of transarterial aortic valve implantation from an experimental modality to clinical routine, with an important impact of current and future practice guidelines. Thereafter, MitraClip has questioned our traditional approach to mitral regurgitation. Of note, although optimal management of primary and secondary mitral regurgitation has been a contentious issue for many years, and the availability of percutaneous edge-to-edge repair devices, among others, increase the therapeutic options, these novel modalities still lack appropriate evidence. The current opinion, surgical and interventional management of mitral valve regurgitation, a position statement from the European Society of Cardiology Working Groups on Cardiovascular Surgery and Valvular Heart Disease, by the ESC Working Groups on Cardiovascular Surgery and Valvular Heart Disease, is therefore a timely and long-awaited document providing guidance in this evolving area. Indeed, current reimbursement models that establish monetary value rather than convincing evidence for treatments and procedures in this area are a medical and ethical issue as outlined in this document. While device development programs should provide convincing evidence, regulations should avoid hurdles for innovation. In a second current opinion, Barriers to Cardiovascular Device Innovation in Europe, Fausto José Pinto from the Lisbon Cardiovascular Institute in Portugal and members of the Cardiovascular Roundtable raise concerns that the introduction of rigid regulations across Europe, including the Diagnosis-Related Group, or DRG, system, might unfavourably affect innovation for device development. The Cardiovascular Roundtable is an independent forum established by the European Society of Cardiology providing a dialogue between cardiologists and representatives of the pharmaceutical and medical device industries. With cardiovascular disease still the leading cause of death in Europe, the Cardiovascular Roundtable considers inefficiencies in the allocation of reimbursements for new procedures, a major barrier for future device innovation. Obviously, this process is complex, but successive delays in certain countries are negatively impacting on penetration rates of novel treatments. Such delays occur despite CE mark approval, proven clinical efficacy, and inclusion into formal clinical guidelines. The major issue is that, until reimbursement codes are available, the full cost associated with new procedures may not be fully recovered by hospitals. This represents an important deterrent for the adoption of novel procedures, even when they offer improved patient outcomes and long-term value for money, beyond just the cost of hospitalisation. In some cases, it takes six years or more to add a specific code. From the manufacturer's perspective, the consequences are obvious, a significant downturn in revenue from new devices, an inability to forecast market behaviour, and, inevitably, a threat to future research and development funding, and eventually a loss of benefit for the patients. An important development in cardiovascular device therapies was the introduction of endovascular grafts to treat patients with abdominal aortic aneurysms, which also had an impact on the ESC guidelines on aortic disease. 
Indeed, during the last two decades, endovascular technology has revolutionized the management of patients with abdominal aortic aneurysm. Today, endovascular aortic repair is the treatment of choice for the majority of such patients. In a clinical review article entitled Endovascular Grafts for Abdominal Aortic Aneurysm, Johnny Steuer and colleagues from the Section of Vascular Surgery in Stockholm, Sweden, reminded us that randomized controlled trials have provided evidence for the management of abdominal aortic aneurysm repair and the rationale for the use of endovascular aortic repair in selected patients. However, despite that, practice varies and several areas need further clarification. Important future challenges and areas of research include the role of medical therapy in abdominal aortic aneurysm, whether the indication for repair should be any different in women and in the elderly, and long-term follow-up of patients undergoing complex endovascular aortic repair with adjuncts both for elective treatment and for ruptured abdominal aortic aneurysm. Continuous rapid technical and clinical developments are to be expected. Although surgical and catheter-based interventions have markedly broadened therapeutic options for many patients, such procedures may also pose important risks for cardiovascular patients. Many preventative perioperative measures have been proposed to reduce the risk, but most of them are controversial or lack convincing evidence. In another fast track, association between preoperative statin use and major cardiovascular complications among patients undergoing non-cardiac surgery, the Vision Study. Otavio Bervanger and colleagues from the Hospital do Coração in Sao Paulo, Brazil, investigated the effects of preoperative statin therapy in a prospective cohort of 15,478 patients on cardiovascular events after non-cardiac surgery. The match population consisted of 2,845 patients treated with a statin and 4,492 controls. Pre-operative use of statins was associated with lower risk of the primary outcome, a composite of all-cause mortality, myocardial injury after non-cardiac surgery, or stroke at 30 days, with a relative risk of 0.83. Statins were also associated with a significantly lower risk of all-cause mortality, with a relative risk of 0.58, cardiovascular mortality with a relative risk of 0.42, and myocardial injury after non-cardiac surgery, with a relative risk of 0.86, but not of stroke. Thus, among patients undergoing non-cardiac surgery, preoperative statin therapy appears to be independently associated with a lower risk of cardiovascular outcomes at 30 days, if confirmed in a large randomized trial. The manuscript is accompanied by a thoughtful editorial by Christopher P. Cannon from Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, USA. After coronary artery bypass surgery, or CABG, excessive bleeding is associated with worse outcome. Current guidelines recommend withdrawal of clopidogrel and ticagrelor five days before elective surgery. Shorter discontinuation would reduce risk of thrombotic events and save hospital resources, but may increase the risk of bleeding. In the last fast track, coronary artery bypass grafting-related bleeding complications in patients treated with ticagrelor or clopidogrel, a nationwide study. Anders Jepson and colleagues from Salgrenska University Hospital in Gothenburg, Sweden, 
investigated whether a shorter discontinuation time before surgery increased the incidence of CABG-related major bleeding complications and compared ticagrelor and clopidogrel-treated patients. 2,188 patients with an acute coronary syndrome on dual antiplatelet therapy with aspirin and either ticagrelor or clopidogrel who underwent CABG were included in a retrospective study. The incidence of major bleeding, according to the BARC-CABG definition, was 38% and 31%, respectively, when ticagrelor slash clopidogrel was discontinued less than 24 hours before surgery. Within the ticagrelor group, there was no significant difference between discontinuation 72 to 120 hours or more than 120 hours before surgery. In contrast, clopidogrel-treated patients had a higher incidence when discontinued 72 to 120 hours rather than more than 120 hours before surgery with an odds ratio of 1.71. The overall incidence of major bleeding was 12.9% with ticagrelor but 17.6% with clopidogrel. Thus, the incidence of CABG-related major bleeding was high when ticagrelor slash clopidogrel was discontinued less than 24 hours before surgery. Discontinuation three days before surgery, as opposed to five days, did not increase the incidence of major bleeding complications with ticagrelor, but increased the risk with clopidogrel. Of note, the overall risk of major CABG-related bleeding complications was lower with ticagrelor than with clopidogrel. The manuscript is accompanied by a critical editorial by Franz Weidinger from the Hospital Rudolf Stiftung in Vienna, Austria. In spite of impressive progress in device therapies for valvular and aneurysmatic conditions, it remains indisputable that chronic ischemic cardiovascular disease is still the major cause of mortality and morbidity worldwide. Therefore, the European Society of Cardiology supported the CICD pilot registry with the aim to describe the clinical characteristics and management modalities across Europe of these conditions. In an ESC fast track, your observational research program, the Chronic Ischemic Cardiovascular Disease Registry Pilot Phase, CICD Pilot, Michel Comagda from the Hôpital Pitié-Salpêtrier in Paris, France, reports the first results of this international perspective observational longitudinal registry enrolling 2,420 patients with non-ST elevation acute coronary syndrome, chronic stable coronary artery disease, or with peripheral artery disease in 100 centres from 10 countries across Europe. A marked increase was observed at discharge in the rate of prescription of ACE inhibitors or angiotensin receptor blockers, beta blockers, statins, aspirin, and clopidogrel. The clinical profile and treatment modalities differed markedly across the four cohorts. The authors of the CICD pilot conclude that the implementation of guidelines recommendations has improved since the previous surveys, but that an important heterogeneity exists in the clinical profile and treatment modalities in the different cohorts of patients enrolled with a broad spectrum of chronic ischemic cardiovascular diseases. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by L. Kristin Newby from the Duke University Medical Center in Durham, North Carolina, USA. Another important but less prevalent disease group are cardiomyopathies, which are less heterogeneous, 
but associated with premature death due to ventricular arrhythmia or heart failure. In another fast-track European Cardiomyopathy Pilot Registry, your observational research program of the European Society of Cardiology, Perry M. Elliott and colleagues from the Heart Hospital in London, UK, report the results of the pilot phase of the Your Observational Research Program, EORP, Cardiomyopathy Registry, enrolling 1,115 patients from 27 countries with hypertrophic or dilated arrhythmogenic right ventricular or restrictive cardiomyopathy. Fewer patients with arrhythmogenic right ventricular and more with restrictive cardiomyopathy were diagnosed in the upper age quartile. There was a male predominance for all cardiomyopathies, except for restrictive cardiomyopathy. Most patients were in NYHA class 1 at enrolment, and 12.5% reported syncope, most frequently those with arrhythmogenic right ventricular cardiomyopathy. Genetic testing revealed a causative mutation in half of the patients. Almost all patients, i.e. 92%, received drug therapy, and more than a quarter, i.e. 28%, an ICD, most commonly those with arrhythmogenic right ventricular cardiomyopathy. Thus, services for patients with cardiomyopathy are complex, requiring access to a large range of invasive and non-invasive investigations and involvement in multidisciplinary teams. Treatment regimens are equally multifaceted, and show that patients are likely to need long-term follow-up in expert centres. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by André Keren from the Hadassah Hebrew University Medical Centre in Jerusalem, Israel. A last intervention that is currently under investigation is ischemic preconditioning. However, the results of clinical trials have revealed diverging results. In a viewpoint... Erica and Riphart, Two Nails in the Coffin for Cardioprotection by Remote Ischemic Preconditioning? Probably not. Gerd Heusch from the Centre of Internal Medicine in Essen, Germany, and Bernard Gersh from the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, USA, provide a critical discussion of the recent Erica and Riphart trials. It highlights their strengths but also their weaknesses, and warns that abandoning the concept of cardioprotection is premature at this point and that further trials should be considered. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will find the interest of its readers.